Hello, fellow Kentuckians and other friends, and welcome to a new edition of my old Kentucky podcast. My name is Robert Connie, and joining me, as always, is Jasmine Smith. Jasmine, how are you today? I'm doing well, Robert. How are you? I'm doing all right. There's a lot going on, but, you know, it's it's another beautiful spring in Kentucky. Derby is, is right around the corner. You know, uh, it's Derby festival season. Did you go to Thunder uh, this weekend, Jasmine? I did go to Thunder. I haven't been to Thunder... I've only been to Thunder once in my life. It was like in middle school. And this year we just had to go um, at the soccer stadium. Oh, nice. And that's really cool because it, it's not very crowded. So there's not really anybody there. And you can just like have a really nice view of it. That's awesome. Yeah, that's uh, that's cool. There's a lot of places around town where, you know, people are always having like secret secret buildings to watch it in like oh my friend's dad has an office in x or y building oh yeah i've never had one of those (laughs) yeah i had i got that i got that treatment one time uh but it 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 is cool but you know um our daughter is probably i don't know maybe one or two years away from really being able to enjoy it and of course like the traffic is always crazy and um didn't want to fight it this time so i watched it on tv looked fun looked like a good time um, do plan on uh, doing some of the, uh, the the Derby Festival activities. I'm running in the mini marathon on on Saturday, oh, uh, and then probably good for you. yeah, probably we'll eat at the 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 Chow Wagon after that, right? Um, maybe go to the Balloon Glow, take some of that in. But it is that season in Kentucky. Um, but that does that means, of course, that uh, that that politics and the government still continue um and it is primary season as well so both of the stories that we're going to be talking about this this week relate to the primary uh that is coming up uh next month so jasmine's going to talk to us a little bit about a debate slash forum that happened on kentucky sports radio or ksr for those of those of you in the know um Jasmine's going to go through like how how all of the four major Republicans who participated in the event did. We'll talk a little bit about um, kind of the fallout from it, and what's going to happen, and then fundraising reports were due, you know, for the end of quarter one, which ended in March, uh, and and we have though that information. And I, I did a little bit of analysis as to who has what money and what they're spending it on. So we'll be talking about that as well. So some major stuff about the election coming up in May. So Jasmine, tell us what we need to know about this KSR debate. All right. So four Republican candidates participated in the KSR debate. Mike Harmon, Kelly Kraft, Ryan Quarles, and Alan Keck. Daniel Cameron did not attend despite previously committing to the debate. And... Matt Jones and his co-hosts made much of Cameron's absence, I would say. Um, But I honestly don't blame them. Before scheduling the debate, Matt asked for commitments from the candidates before picking the date. And then they picked the date considering all of their schedules, including Daniel Cameron's. The candidates all confirmed that date. And then when it got closer to it... Matt reached out to each candidate personally to discuss logistics and the format of the debate. And he talked to all of the actual candidates. All of the candidates took his call except Daniel Cameron. And I remember one day, several weeks ago, KSR even like making a plea on the radio for Cameron's people to reach out because they needed to talk to them to discuss plans for the debate and no one would get back to them. And that, that was probably like a month ago. Hmm. Um, so Daniel finally said my campaign staff person, Gus, I don't know his campaign title. I don't know if he's the campaign manager or the comms person. He shows up in my segment. He's the campaign manager. And his name is actually like 
Augustus or something, and I was really confused as to who this person was, or Augustine or something like that. Anyways, yes, that's his campaign yeah. manager. Um, so then Matt still never heard from anyone from the campaign until a press release came out that said Cameron would not attend the debate and would instead attend a fentanyl forum that day, um, which Matt has said he knows was scheduled after the debate date had been confirmed. Um, the, the fentanyl forum was actually later in the afternoon and Cameron actually ended up doing a meet and greet in Manchester at the time of the debate. Mm. Um, so I think if I was the radio host who planned all of this, I'd be pretty steamed about all of that too. Like the way they, the way it went down. So and I might talk about it as well. Yeah. I mean, I totally understand why you want to have, I mean, you, if you have an event, you want everybody there, you want the front runner there for sure. What's your estimation as to why Daniel Cameron didn't come? I mean, I, I, the, the main theory I've heard floated is that Matt Jones, because of his association with UK athletics is close with the crafts. And he felt like that would kind of put the finger on the scale. Do you think that's the reason, or do you think there's something else there? I mean, maybe that maybe that is the thought behind it, but I don't I don't really understand that because Matt is not a Republican. He's not going to vote for any of these candidates. Um, so, I, you know, I don't really know why. Why that would have anything to do with it and. I think their campaign just really underestimated the the audience that KSR has. Like that's an opportunity to get in front of a lot of voters and maybe voters who don't usually like pay close attention to other debates. Um, and, and I think at the time, whenever they issued that press release that he wouldn't attend that debate, that was before the, the more recent polling came out um, that showed Kraft and even Ryan Quarles like gaining on Daniel Cameron. Mm -hmm. And so I think, I don't know, maybe they thought they were in good they shape. Were so far ahead that um, it would, it, it, you know, he could be hurt in a debate where if he's the leader, the other candidates are attacking him. So maybe it's better to just bow out. Um, if he's in the lead and stay out of it. Uh, but I don't think that was the right choice. <laughs> yeah, I, I would I would tend to agree. Although, you know, I'm not a Republican campaign consultant, so I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? Anyways, a lot of stuff happened to the debate, so let's talk about that. Yeah. Um, so KSR drew the order for the debate randomly, and Cameron was third, and so an empty chair was actually left in the center of the stage for him, which very nice was also kind of yeah, hilarious. That, I, that, you know, this happens a lot. Like this type of thing happens a lot. Uh, I know. And so KET will do debates for every open office for Congress and all of the state elected offices. And a lot of times, especially for those congressional races, the challenger will show up in the incumbent who's, you know, in DC or whatever. And it's like, I don't want to mess with this. Democrat who is just kind of a gadfly candidate or whatever in far western or or you know whatever uh Kentucky and so they won't show up and KET will always leave like an open podium for that person and just basically do a forum with whoever's there so this is a pretty common common tactic but of course putting him right in the middle and being like it's because we drew his name third this is his chair and it's missing <laughs> is certainly it's maybe maybe a little more than more than normal yeah so um I want 
wanted to kind of talk about some of the things that I thought were interesting or noteworthy from the debate. Uh, so Matt asked all the candidates if they had to vote today, uh, who they would vote for for president. And Mike Harmon and Kelly Kraft said that they would vote for Trump. And Ryan Quarles and Alan Keck said they would vote for DeSantis. He also asked a question. Oh, did you want to? Oh, I was just going to say he asked that question in 20, whatever it was, uh, 2020 um, of the Democrats, or I guess in 2019 of the Democrats who were running for uh, governor that year. And and they all dodged the question. So it is it's it's interesting to see that these Republicans are are answering more straightforwardly uh, in that. Well, it I think they tried to dodge it. I think they start. It started with Mike Harmon, and he tried to say he likes a lot of candidates, and it's early, blah blah blah. And he's like, "No, if it was today, and you had to vote, and yeah. and kind of it, made them answer, and they all did." Yeah, and it is a little different because back then in 2019 or whatever, am I right about that? 2019, yeah, I think that there were like 17 Democrats running by this time. So yeah. I think Adam Edelin was like, I don't know, one of the 20 people running and, you know, he let him get away with that. But yeah, Matt Jones is involved as a moderator uh, of debates for sure. <laughs> when asked what one policy she would make happen at the snap of a finger, Kelly Craft said she would remove wokeism from schools. And this was just insane to me like there's one thing in one problem in our state you could solve and, and that's that's it like not like hunger or child abuse or yeah the opioid epidemic I, like anything i uh you know i i'm usually the one that is like more angry on social media between the two of us jasmine <laughs> but i do feel like this week with the wokeism in schools being the one just, policy yeah that you got you got pretty that. heated about that <laughs> i just i after listening to the deba- debate i noticed that kelly craft really had two phrases yeah. that she hit super hard and they were wokeism and the empty chair which she's still Um, leaning into the empty chair situation yeah so the daniel cameron not attending and the chair being next to her just like really worked out for her and her and like her catchphrases and everything (laughs) um she also brought a book as a prop to a radio debate uh called all boys aren't blue and said it's available on audible in woodford county schools um and I think her point is that it, it's not appropriate for children. But I mean, I thought everything was available on Audible. Yeah, so I, I don't it, know. <laughs> it's it's absolutely wild. Like the the lengths to which you know people try to find things that like fit their fit their message. And and I do think that that's why Kelly Craft answered. You're, I mean, if you were to ask Kelly Craft in any, you know, if it was just the two of you, which I don't know what would have to happen to make that happen with you and Kelly Craft, like. Getting, getting together for dinner or something but and you were like what is one policy that you would change she would probably have a different answer than wokeism in schools but that's what her campaign is focused on so that's yeah. why she answered it that way but yeah it is definitely i mean it's nuts to say, it's absolutely crazy to say that as your answer to yeah. that question but I, I do feel like she she really hit her main points hard her wokeism and the empty chair but she she struggled to form those points and and what the points behind these messages actually were i thought Mm -hmm. and and i don't even say that just from like a democrat perspective 
because I, I thought the other candidates did a much better job of of talking about their stances and policies. I think she just struggled to put any meaning behind a lot of her words. Yeah, Jasmine, earlier this week, for one reason or another, I went back and listened to Ira Kelly Craft episode from when she first started running. And one of the things that we were talking about is how she's like this empty vessel that you just kind of have to pour something into and how she's just very vapid and there's nothing there. And her entry into the race was that, uh, that video that was about Glasgow and her dad and didn't say anything about anything. And it was just kind of like, from there, you can go anywhere. And clearly... And really disappointingly, the people in the, you know, Republican campaign world are like, we have to take this hard cultural right turn and attack trans kids and attack schools and teachers in the Department of Education. That's what's going to win us the most votes. And, and that's what they've filled her up with, this candidate who mm-hmm. had nothing to say. Um, that's what they've made her say. And yeah, so I'm not surprised that she doesn't have any substance behind this because it doesn't come from an honest place. She doesn't actually believe any of this stuff. It's just what's being fed to her to say because she wants to be the governor of Kentucky. Um, and and it, But the thing is, if she is given the chance to govern, that's how she will govern, uh, which is very bad, and we do not do not want this. But it isn't like, you know, someone like a Ron DeSantis who very clearly, or a Donald Trump who like very clearly comes by it honestly, really believes all this stuff that they say. She's just kind of that, you know, that's just the facade of this that she's she's working with. That's yeah, just my it, opinion. And <laughs> may, maybe she does believe all of these things. Um, I, I think sometimes people say that Republicans are just like playing politics or playing these characters. And I don't always think that's true. I think they believe a lot of their stances, but I don't know if she knows why she believes them or these words that she's saying, she didn't really have any policies to back them up. Um, And so there just wasn't a lot there besides like Mm. these key phrases for me. Yeah. Uh, So, the other three candidates, they, they talked about wokeism um, quite a bit in the debate. And the other three candidates sort of said that schools as a whole aren't woke, um, but that wokeness is present in some of our schools. And so I, I think particularly Ryan Quarles and Alan Keck did not want to buy into that discussion as much as Kelly Craft and um, and all. And Mike Harmon. So Harmon discussed an often rumored story of a teacher getting punished for not acknowledging a student identified as a cat. Um, But Matt Jones, who's talked about this rumor before on the radio because callers have brought it up, um, pressed him on it and asked where that occurred. And he didn't know what district that allegedly happened in. Um, But that's a story that I think keeps making the rounds in conservative circles. There's so many of those. And it is kind of like you start hearing everyone in different places of the country, like repeat it as if it happened next door. Um, I mean, and they're all racist or, you know, anti LGBTQ or like whatever. And, you know, I guess they proliferate in emails and just telephone or whatever, but there's, yeah, I don't want to like repeat any of them, but that just makes me think of like three or four other things that, uh, Mm -hmm. that are like, just like that. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so some other moving on from the wokeism, I guess, moving on to some other things talked about during the debate, most 
candidates acknowledged that Cameron had been a good AG because that was a specific question that Matt Jones asked. Uh, but Kelly Craft would not say that about him. Um, they all did say, however, that Matt Bevin was a good governor, which, you know, they're they're Republicans, and and I think that some of them just said he's a great governor and then others acknowledged that he didn't always say things in the best way. <laughs> I, I haven't listened to the actual audio, but I mean, it's probably nice for Andy Bashir to have that on tape. Like that, all of them saying Matt Bevin is a good governor, uh, not a really popular person here in Kentucky, except for maybe among Republican primary voters. And that just goes to the difficulty of this type of a race for sure. Yeah. Um, I actually have like, so- a note kind of about that towards the end of this one, just when we kind of like recap our thoughts about this. Um, and then a, a couple other policy things. Mike Harmon supports historical horse racing, but does not support sports gambling or medical marijuana. Kelly Craft also called for the death penalty for drug traffickers, um, which is a, a pretty harsh stance that you don't, you don't hear for hear about very often um but expanding the death penalty is definitely something that i think is is starting to come about there was a bill this past session about expanding the death penalty that didn't get passed i don't believe but um may start getting some traction among republicans i don't know scary stuff yeah um none of the candidates support any form of gun reform like red flag laws or anything like that except alan keck did say he'd support destroying firearms that are used in crimes and then keck also had an odd moment where he seemed to question medication for mental health treatment he he was talking about shootings and talking about how people that do them are usually medicated and and we need to figure out if they, if medications work. Um, So I, I thought that was just a really strange thing to do. It's, it's always, I mean, you know, it's part of the country that we live in that just like, there's different spheres for liberals and conservatives to just kind of occupy and stuff that isn't super weird. in one of these circles just may seem like, super alien to something something in somebody else's circle and i would not be surprised if like if like questioning i mean you know liberal liberal people have their own kind of thoughts about the pharmaceutical industry that are one thing or another and like um yeah the woke doctors are trying to put everybody on adhd medication and you know it's the pervasiveness of that disease has just gone up by whatever percentage and now all of our kids are like zonked is something i have absolutely mm-hmm. heard before from conservatives and i wouldn't i'm not too surprised to hear that even though i haven't heard that specific thing like let's take a look at these medications and see if we should stop giving them uh just another s- way to think that like you know alan keck says a lot of reasonable things but he definitely comes from a world that's very different than the one that i occupy yeah i've definitely heard that a lot as well, but I think if, if we're going to say no gun reform, it's about mental health, then what what are we doing to support people's mental health? Um, and, and I think even though that's something I've heard among a lot of people before, even if I disagree with it, it was just something kind of that seemed unfair 
not fleshed out that he said. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So I just thought that was kind of an, an odd moment. And I wasn't even sure exactly what he was talking about when I heard it at first. Um, with abortion, uh, Ryan Quarles was asked specific abortion questions. And he said that he does not support any exception to abortion bans. Um, and then I think as far as policy goes, I would say Ryan Quarles and Alan Keck probably did the best job at actually answering the questions and talking about policies. For example, Ryan Quarles talked about some work he's actually done in the mental health arena in response to the gun reform question. Alan Keck talked about what he's done as mayor, specifically with COVID policies, um, and also policies he'd like to achieve, like sliding scale benefit reform. And, and so I thought that they probably did the best job of talking about what their platforms are and what they have done and want to do as governor. I'm not surprised by that in the slightest. Those are two, the two that certainly have seem to be thinking about issues the most. Um, you know, I don't agree with them on most things, but I mean, I do think that they're the ones that have a positive approach to government, uh, and, and using the government to like accomplish things. Whereas I don't really understand why Mark, Mike Harmon is running and Kelly Craft is, as we mentioned before, she'll just do what she's told. So yeah, at least that's my opinion. And then the last note here about just how the debate went is the candidates had an opportunity to ask one another a question. And Matt has done this before in debates and the candidates have actually done it. I, I think that there was a moment in their first Republican primary debate where this is where like Jamie Comer and Hal Heiner maybe grilled one yeah. another. I'm not sure yeah. if I'm remembering that exactly correctly, but I, I know that candidates have, have actually taken the opportunity to do that before. Um, but here, none of them actually asked a real question. So this was kind of just like a waste of time during the debate. <laughs> um, so Kelly Craft and Ryan Quarles asked questions of the empty chair, Daniel Cameron, and then Mike Harmon and Alan Keck ask each other like joke questions. Like what's your favorite joke that I tell? And, so it was just wasted time, I think. <laughs> you know, you can never tell whenever it's going to be like that. Yeah. Um, so overall, I kind of just said this, but I think Ryan Quarles and Alan Keck look both look stronger than Kelly Craft and Mike Carmen. I saw some like media people who did not believe that Matt Jones pressed Kelly Craft as much as other candidates and or the criticism that he let her talk longer past like the bell that they had regarding talking longer. She was really the only one to test the bell. Um, no one else tried. So I don't, I don't know what might've happened if, if others had tried to keep talking. Um, and then she also took the opportunity to talk about things where it was very difficult or would have been like poor form to cut her off. Like she was past time and started talking about a woman who was in attendance, whose child died due to drug addiction. Um, yeah. Definitely yeah. Awkward. And so I also don't think that letting her talk was actually beneficial to her in any way. Um, so I, I don't think that was helping her or, or letting her go on anything. Um, I, I do wish Matt had cut her off earlier in her direct interview questions. He had two main questions for her. One was about 
her Kentucky border ads and then one about CRT. And he, he allowed her to talk way too long on the border question and then only had a minute or so for the CRT question, which she didn't even come close to answering his question. He asked whether she thought CRT was being taught in schools and what it was. And she talked about discrimination against white children and then started talking about kids coming to school hungry, um, which didn't have anything to do with his question. And so I I wish there had been more time for him to press her there. um, But that time was, was spent kind of letting her talk about, the Kentucky border and drugs what, coming in. <laughs> what what did she even say about that? Did she say like, I did, I mean drugs at, in Mexico or did she say like, I mean drugs coming in to ten, like from Tennessee? Like what, what, what did she say? I think she's talking about them coming in like from Mexico or from other countries. And, and, and that's where she started talking to, talking about the woman in the audience who had the empty chair um, and all of that. So she kind of just used that question to talk about drugs in, in general. And, and I think she also talked about cracking down on traffickers there too. Um, and, and so like that's the place where I wish that those direct questions had been utilized better. Yeah. I also think that, he kind of just had some leftover questions for Alan Keck instead of maybe asking some more specific questions, maybe about like things he'd done as mayor or I don't know. It just seemed like here's questions that I was going to ask everyone and didn't have time to. So I just asked them to this person um, and they didn't seem very specific to him or his platform. Um, and and so those were kind of my only criticisms there. Sure. That but makes sense. Overall, um, I I mean, the story is certainly that Daniel Cameron wasn't there. Um, and I think that that was probably a mistake for Daniel Cameron. Um, and not only was he not there, his, I think his team handled it pretty poorly. Um, because there was also like an interview where he said there was a fentanyl form at the same time that he was going to. And it clearly wasn't at the same time. It was a couple hours later. And then just the lack of communication. If, if there had just been communication, then Matt may not have been as mad and called him out quite as harshly as he did. Um, and, and I think they just underestimated like the audience that, that that show has. And so yeah. I think it was a mistake. Uh, what do you think, Robert? I, I agree. I, I, I mean, I, I guess I, I don't really, if it's not that he thinks that Matt D- Jones is in the tank for Kelly Craft. It, I think your your second hypothesis there that they misunderstand the audience for KSR because Matt Jones is like a Democrat or a liberal or whatever. They're like, that must be his audience. And I think like the fact that both Daniel Cameron and Kelly Craft are depending so heavily on out-of-state consultants to run their campaigns, I mean, leads to misunderstandings like this where you just don't understand who's who, who's got the power in the state. Um, and, and, you know, Daniel Cameron played for U of L. He probably doesn't listen to KSR. I don't know if the people on his campaign listen to KSR. Maybe they just don't understand. Maybe he just doesn't know. Um, that Gus guy. I don't know where he comes from, but maybe he just doesn't know what KSR yeah, is. Dan- Daniel's actually been on KSR before. Um, and that another 
another thing that I think made Matt Jones upset about this is like that he introduced Cameron to his mom, who was a prosecutor who, you know, like he felt like they had a, a good relationship and then he did this to him. Um, so I, I think he should have known. Yeah. Even yeah. if his team didn't. Yeah. And, and you know, you, a lot of times you, you, the decision, the ability to make decisions about your own campaign gets taken away from you. Um, yeah. And, and it like at this level, and I think that like, this is the first level, like when you're running for attorney general, you do get to kind of make your own decisions. Um, depending, and you know, I don't know how much of a, how much of a client, um, Daniel Cameron would just was for Mitch McConnell during that race or whatever. But once you get to this level where you're running for the governor of one of the 50 states or running for Senate in a contested election, or even like running for Congress in a hotly contested seat, you know, a lot of times national pressures are, you got to hire these guys. We're going to give you this money. You got, you got to do the things that we tell you to do. And it does kind of get taken away from you. Um, you know, I've I've seen this happen with a lot of campaigns. Um, one of the ones that like weirdly I know the most about is the 2000. I don't even know what it was. It might have been like 2004 candidacy of Alice Forgy Kerr when she ran against Ben Chandler for Congress uh, to take over Ernie Fletcher's seat. You know, it's a special election in 2004. That's right, because Ernie Fletcher had just become the governor and Ben Chandler switched to run for Congress for Ernie Fletcher's old seat. And that's how Ben Chandler ended up in Congress. And, you know, I, you know, for whatever reason, we know some people that know the 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 Kerrs, the Forky Kerrs, and they were just like, yeah, she had no imprint on that race at all. It just got taken out of her hands entirely. And that kind of thing can just happen to you. So maybe that's what's going on with Andrew Cameron. I have no idea. Um, but anyways, yeah, definitely a bad decision from us sitting on the ground in, in Kentucky um, as opposed to, you know, from <laughs> uh, emailing or Zooming in from Maryland or Virginia or wherever they are. Yeah, and then the last thing I was going to know is, is what you kind of talked about, about the Bevan answers. So Tessa Duvall of the Herald Leader shared a video that was put together by KDP. Um, this was on Twitter. And it included, like, clips of the Bevan answers from the debate and said that Republicans would probably think twice about doing this debate again. But I don't really know about that because I think that KSR has done a good job with these debates in the past. It's been a way for Republicans to get out in front of a lot of people and also for candidates to like maybe make a name for themselves. Like Matt Bevin really stood out in the KSR Republican primary debate in 2015. Um, and KSR, even though Matt Jones and his co-host lean Democrat they have a large, overwhelmingly conservative audience. So I don't know that that's true. I don't really know why they wouldn't do it again. Yeah. Um, she also, Tessa Duvall also noted that Cameron's not in the video since he didn't attend the debate. So there won't be those sound bites about him. And so that that's certainly a fair point for the general election. Um, but you... You know, he does have to win. <laughs> the, the candidates the candidates very easily could have been like, no, Matt Bevin is a bad governor and would have paid like no price. If you will remember, Jasmine, Matt Bevin nearly lost the Republican primary in 2019. <laughs> so, uh, you know, that that probably would not have hurt them to say, no, I think Matt Bevin did a bad job. They just didn't say that. So uh, I don't think yeah. that has anything to do with Matt Jones and everything to do with the candidates running. Uh, so. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think a lot of people weighing in on this 
just don't know a lot about KSR and yeah, I've been, <laughs> I've been listening to it for <laughs> eight or nine years. We've been, we've been listening so to I, it, but I, we've been trying to figure out if Jai Lucas and Patrick Patterson are going to come to Kentucky. That's, that's how long we've been yeah. listening to it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah. So I, I don't think that's true. I, I think Republicans would, would definitely do the debate again. Yeah. Oh um, no, there's there's no doubt in my mind they'll do, they'll do it again. Although you know, I don't know, maybe if Dean, I, I, you know, I I don't think I don't think that there's any doubt that they'll do it again because of what you mentioned. It is a large, it's a large, non Louisville focused audience. Um, so mm-hmm. you know, and that's that's who you want to get in front of in the Republican primary. Um, yeah. All right. Well, thanks for bringing that to us, Jasmine. I did not listen to the debate. I was not interested in doing that with my day. Uh, so I'm glad to, that you were recapping it there. Yeah, for me. I had a, had a trip back from Lexington from a work conference, and I was like, "Well, here we go." <laughs> All right. Well, I was going to listen to KSR anyways, so <laughs> let's do this. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, let's do a fundraising update. So the quarterly reports are in for the first quarter of 2023. Uh, a lot of stuff has happened. Kelly Craft is the overall leader of all candidates running for all offices. She's raised $8.7 million in total. That's a lot of money. However, most of that, in fact, a huge chunk of that is self-funded. Um, and so that that's that's something to say there. Andy Bashir is in second place overall. He's got $6.6 million, So, you know, a significant chunk less, but... A lot more than just about anybody else. Daniel Cameron is running a distant third, having raised $1.4 million. And actually, Ryan Quarles is not that much further behind Daniel Cameron, having raised $1.25 million. Eric Dieters, um, in a surprising... Something that was a little bit surprising is that Eric Dieters has actually raised more, more than Alan Keck. Eric Dieters, though, has also a significant amount of self-funding. Alan Keck has less self-funding, but still has some. Um, the overall funding picture, besides Cameron and Kraft, is actually not that far off from that polling picture that we got from Mason Dixon a couple of weeks ago. Outside of the governor's race, several Republicans have raised a substantial amount of money. Russell Coleman leads among all non-gubernatorial candidates with 736000 Jonathan Schell has 542000 Michael Adams, also a significant amount of self-funding, has 265000 And then OJ Oleka has 212,000. The Democrats are behind that. So Pamela Stevenson has the most uh, for a Democrat who is not Andy Bashir with 171,000. And actually, she's still raised less than Savannah Maddox. So Savannah Maddox is running and dropped out, running for a higher office, but has not been running for quite a, a while. Uh, and, and Pamela Stevenson does not have as much money as Savannah Maddox did. Um, no other Democrat has raised more than 100000 but Kimberly Reeder is the closest, having raised 80000 I do kind of feel like Democrats are – I mean, this was a time that Democrats could have been using to bank money, but, you know, um, this is also not really – the time when a lot is going on for Democrats because there aren't really a lot of contested races. And, you know, we still statewide elections like these pretty much don't kick off until August, September. So they still have a significant amount of time um, to, to raise money. And it doesn't take as much to be competitive. Kentucky is a pretty cheap state to run advertising, to have staff. So you don't need $10 million, but you know, Democrats are going to have to kick it into gear here. I feel like so. Um, that is where we're at in terms of top line numbers. And Bashir blows all the other candidates out of the water when it comes to cash on hand. 
he spent only about $750,000 of his money, which means he has $5.9 million in the bank ready to go. The Republican with the most cash on hand is actually Ryan Quarles. Uh, that That is as of the end of the quarter, as of the end of March. He has $925,000 ready to go. And, and you know, Kelly Craft, it, having raised all that money, is really leaving it all on the field. She's spent $8.156 million. She's spent more than $8 million of her $8.7 million raise. That is nuts <laughs> to spend that much money in Kentucky. She's spent a ton on advertising, that's true, and we'll get into what she's spending it all on, but it is wild uh, to spend that much money for a gubernatorial race in Kentucky. And really, I just think it, when it comes down to it, Kelly Craft has infinity money. Um, if you look at the burn rate, where you, if you're comparing the amount of money that she's raised to the amount of money she spent, uh, every time she need, needs to make a big spend, she just gives herself some more money. And I feel like she can just do that indefinitely. Joe Craft has, I think, $2 billion or something. So this is laundry money for them. Um, yeah, Kelly Craft has raised a lot of money, but it doesn't indicate any sort of deep support, I don't think. Most of it is from herself. She's given herself more than $7 million. Daniel Cameron hasn't reported any self-funding. Ryan Quarles gave himself 4000 That's not that much. So while Kelly Craft has the most money to spend, you know, it's not like she's raising money left and right. The two candidates with the largest, uh, the next largest amount of f- self-funding behind Kelly Craft are Eric Dieters, who put more than $600,000 into his campaign. You know, Eric Dieters as a candidate is uh, wild and somewhat seemingly unhinged in my mind. Uh, candidate, where this man is getting what job he does to get six hundred thousand dollars to spend on an, like a gadfly run for governor is a little shocking to me. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, that's a little scary that those are the people who have money in the state. Uh, and, and Michael Adams raised or loaned himself one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Okay. Andy Bashir also has not given himself any money, and his stats are kind of astounding. Within his $6.6 million total raise, he has 6,762 different individual donors that have given him money. Kelly Craft only has 1,500. Daniel Cameron only has 1,700. So he has, you know, more than 5,000 more individual donors than any of the top-level uh, Republican candidates. So... 1,814 people have given Andy Bashir the max $2,000 contribution. That's the most that you can give here in Kentucky. Kelly Craft only has 550 people, and Daniel Cameron only has 375. So more than 1,000 more. He's, you know, I think tripled up Kelly Craft and, you know, what, what, like 5 or 6x Daniel Cameron. So he has way more people giving him the maximum contribution. But even though uh, Andy Bashir has the largest number of people giving him the max contribution, the average contribution is only $217. So he has a lot of people giving him, like, low-dollar donations as well. Kelly Craft's average donation, given her individual donations which i think she's given to herself seven or eight times the average donation is five thousand dollars so the average gift is larger than the maximum because her own gifts to herself are so important (laughs) to her overall fundraising that is hilarious to me daniel cameron's average contribution is 255 dollars not that far off from uh from andy bashir but it is just a little bit amazing to me that andy bashir has raised so much more money than Daniel Cameron. What is it like? I don't know. Uh, he has 1.4, raised 1.4 million, and Andy Bashir has raised 6.6 million. So, you know, $5 million more 
than Daniel Cameron, and their average contribution, Andy Beshear's average contribution, is actually less than Daniel Cameron's. That's that's very surprising to me. Uh, $5 million of Andy Beshear's money comes from Kentucky. It's tough to compare with Kelly Craft because so much of hers is self-funded, and she, of course, is from Kentucky. Hopefully, you know. Uh, I did hear that Eric Dieters was filing a residency challenge to her this yeah, week, so uh, who knows? Maybe it isn't coming from Kentucky. Okay, so that's how much money everybody's raised. How much is everybody spending? Kelly Craft made 13 different individual media buys, spending $4.5 million on ads. So that is where the you know, the bulk of her money is going. She's raised about $9 million. She spent about 4 and a half on ads. The only other candidate on the air as of the reporting deadline was Daniel Cameron, who has made a single ad buy of $245,000. I have seen several of his commercials out and about. I kind of observed that a lot of those seemed like general election commercials. They were more attacking Andy Bashir than Kelly Kraft, who is the person who he's running against right now. And, uh, you know, I, I wonder if he just thought that he'd be able to film commercials for the general election uh, and get them all ready to go um, and is now like, oh, crap, I better get on the air because Kelly Craft is coming for me. Um, that's at least how it looks to me. Uh, you can but I, you know, obviously don't have direct knowledge of any of that. Um, Kelly Craft has also spent seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars on campaign consultants. Nice work if you can get it. Um, including $100,000 on Jonathan Ewing, who is Glenn Youngkin's former campaign manager who's doing the same job for Kelly Craft. And I think he is the highest paid consultant working in this race right now. Daniel Cameron has spent $77,000 on fundraising consulting. So he's like spending a lot of money to make money and still is significantly behind Andy Bashir. Um, and, you know, obviously significantly trails Kelly Craft because she's able to self-fund. Um, Daniel Cameron also spent $40,000 on Right Line Communication, which is a firm um, that Brandon Moody runs. And I think he's he has done sort of this campaign work for Republicans uh, across the country. And then he's also spent $30,000 on Gus Herbert, the aforementioned Gus Herbert, who did not get back to Matt Jones. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan Quarles has four people on staff who've made more than $10,000 this campaign season. They are... You know, making 10,000 bucks to work this campaign, but that is, you know, well, 10 times less than what uh, Jonathan Ewing is making for Kelly Craft. Um, Andy Bashir's biggest recipient in terms of who he's giving or who he's spending money with is GPS Impact. They mostly do media consulting in red states for Democrats and progressives. So Andy Bashir seems like a pretty good fit for what they do. He also has several staff, but his expenses, like I mentioned, are very low. He has a ton of money in the bank. He hasn't had to spend money on advertising. His name ID is already really high. He has a ton of earned media. Um, so he's he's kind of sitting pretty in terms of money, um, even going up against a self-funded candidate like Kelly Craft. So that's kind of the whole picture. In short, Kelly Craft gave herself a ton of money and then spent it all. Daniel Cameron just got on the air, maybe panicking a little bit. And surprisingly, Ryan Quarles has the most money to spend. So we may see him on the air. We may see him make a late push here at the end. Andy Joe Shanka reported he's hearing that Ryan Quarles will be on the air very soon that there is a big ad buy. I, I wouldn't be by surprised him. by that. Now is a really good time for him to get on the air. You know, about, we're, what, three weeks away. I really do kind of feel like 
Republicans, the Republicans that I've spoken to are are not really happy with Daniel Cameron or Kelly Craft as they've kind of gone against each other, and they both have really exposed the knocks on each other, and really nobody has said anything about Ryan Quarles. So you know maybe just a little bit of a split the difference. That is kind of what happened back in 2015. Um, but you know Ryan Quarles definitely has a lot further to go in order to to kind of make that up. But you know mm-hmm. he has yet to start making his push. So we will see what happens as he gets on the air. He has the most money in his pocket as of the end of March. At the end of the day, though, Andy Bashir just has a massive war chest. But the rest of the Democrats really need to get on the horse and raise some money if they want to be viable in their races against their Republican counterparts. All right, that is the fundraising update. Jasmine, any of that interest you? Did any of that uh, surprise you? Anything that you think is worth talking about further? I think the one thing that surprised me I was on the Democrat side. I might have thought that Pamela Stevenson would have raised more money. She's gone quite viral with a lot not just one but several videos from floor speeches from the legislature this session i saw just this week that viola davis shared a video of her speaking and tagged pam for ag in it and i would have thought she might have raised more money from Mm -hmm. that publicity online um than she has I do think it's harder to kind of break through in some of these state races for state offices, you know, uh, besides, I I guess like the Wisconsin Supreme Court was pretty well nationalized and people did care a lot about that one. But, you know, you will see, especially like down ballot, um, you may you may get like people that governors that people are excited about, um, but like. People running for attorney general, people running for secretary of state, even with like a viral moment, it is tough to to kind of break through. And also because we're in an off year, people aren't really across the country besides in Kentucky thinking about politics at all. So that is probably another another reason why this is the way it is. I don't know. I I think, you know, people in Kentucky. The important thing is is protecting Andy Bashir, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I I think, for a lot of people. Um, But of of all the down ballot candidates, I might have thought that she would be performing higher in, in fundraising thus far. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it is it's it is it is what it is. Uh, Democrats do have a lot of time to make up the difference. You know, it's not like it's not like Russell Coleman is is I mean, he's he's got a substantial lead, but you know, it's not like he's got seven million dollars. It's not like he's self funding mm-hmm. himself uh, into this and you know, um, I think I do think that, you know, a lot of Republicans who give money may be like, well, I'm just going to give I'm just going to help out the gubernatorial candidate because that's the only one we really need to pick up. Everything else should take care of itself. I don't know. So, yeah, I, I agree. Both Buddy Wheatley and Pamela Stevenson probably need um, a little bit of extra help. So, you know, if if you are so inclined, check out their Act Blue pages or whatever. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I tend to agree. Um yeah, uh, we knew that Kelly Craft was going to run this kind of a race. We knew that this was kind of how yeah, she was going to do it. Yeah, no surprises there. It's, it's not it's it's not surprising, but it is just so just a lot of money. So cra- so crazy, absolutely. Um, you know, it is it is that. So yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, let me check on this. Real quick. I was also surprised to see um, Alan Keck has a TV ad that debuted yesterday and. 
I liked it. I thought it was good. Yeah. I will say the one other the one other like kind of surprising thing was Kimberly Re- Kimberly Reader out raising Buddy Wheatley, um, newcomer to politics. You know, I, I don't know. That probably says nice things about her. I, I want to focus on that as opposed to Buddy Wheatley only yeah. raising seventy thousand dollars. But you know, I also think that Buddy Wheatley will be able to raise raise money as things kind of move along here. At least I hope so. So, yeah, there it is. Uh, Alan Keck's got a TV sh- TV ad. Um, you know. Well, this is getting to be crunch time, so we'll see if anybody drops out and endorses anybody or does anything like that. Uh, it is broad enough that that might happen, but um, we'll see. All right, Jasmine, no no quick hits, no guests this week. Um, but, yeah, that is the show. How can people get a hold of us? They can find us on Twitter and Instagram at myoldkypod. They can like our Facebook page and listen to our podcast on the podcast app of their choice. We also have a newsletter. You can subscribe to it at tinyletter.com slash my old Kentucky newsletter. And we have a Patreon page where you can support what we're doing for as little as a dollar a month. You can do that at patreon.com slash my old Kentucky podcast. And last but not least, we're part of the Dimcast network and the Ford Kentucky network. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening. And we will see you next week. I go down to the holler. Still and I'll